Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Goal Achievers, your co-host John Berghoff here representing Hal Elrod. Hey, today, right now, I'm going to invite you a special invitation that has never been extended on this podcast. Uh, How would this sound? How would you like to hang out with Jay Papazan, the author of The One Thing, and Tucker Max, the multiple New York Times bestselling author, also founder of the exploding business Book in a Box, Mike Dillard. Uh, the founder of the Self-Made Man podcast, which is currently the number one rated self-help podcast on iTunes. That's just a short list of some of the amazing individuals that Hal and I are going to invite you right now for the first time to hang out with next month in Austin, as well as myself and Hal. So if you're curious, let me tell you what's going on, and then we're going to get into today's episode. Hal and I were talking last night, and he pointed something out to me. He said, JB, He said, we tell people how important it is to keep elevating their peer group and their environment. We know that the quality of the people that we learn with and the environment that we put ourselves in will have a direct correlation with how successful we are. And he pointed out really a question. He said, why is it that in three years we have talked about our Quantum Leap private mastermind group on this podcast but we've never actually extended an invitation for people to join. And I said, I don't know. Why don't we do it for the first time this year? So if you're curious, listen up, and then we're going to get into the episode. So you've actually already met a number of our Quantum Leap Mastermind members. You've heard us interview them here on this podcast, sharing all sorts of amazing stories of their successes. And like I said a moment ago, what we've never done until today, really right now, is open this up to the public. We've always taken a position that, The only way to join our Quantum Leap Mastermind is you have to be in attendance at our best year ever live event, which many of you have been at the last three years, which we host in San Diego. Um, Every year, we sell out our private mastermind, which is probably part of why we, we don't even think of extending invitations to the public. We always cap it at about 45 to 50 people, and we sold it out this last year. Um, But after talking with the venue, after Hal and I talking, we realized let's open up at least a few spaces. So we're going to open up three spaces. That's it. Only three spaces just for this audience. If you're an Achieve Your Goals podcast listener, if you're a member of the Miracle Morning community, and you're interested in joining us and some of those other thought leaders I mentioned coming up next month in Austin, as well as our retreat in the fall, uh, we have two retreats that that group meets at throughout the year. Here's what you need to know. First of all, this is not for you if you're brand new in your business, if you're just getting started on your journey. This is really for a group of individuals who are at a stage where they've achieved some level of success, in many cases a lot of success, but really they're in a financial position to invest into being around a really high level group, a high caliber diverse group of individuals. Here's who this is for. If you're passionate about learning from and with a diverse group of high caliber folks, this might be for you. If you're passionate about your business becoming a force for good in the world, really integrating a sense of purpose and impact into your goals, not just financial success, this is for you. If you want to be introduced to some of those folks I mentioned earlier, this might be for you. 
If you're interested, I'll give you the URL right now, and then we're going to get you to today's episode. So you could go to bestyeareverlive.com forward slash QLM. One more time, it's bestyeareverlive.com forward slash QLM as in Quantum Leap Mastermind. You'll see a short video there where you can learn about the mastermind. There's a link to where you can apply. There's no obligation to join, but applying, you'll actually learn more about the pricing and anything else you wanna know. But hey, this is the first time we've ever offered this. We have no idea how many people are gonna apply. We really have three spots we're gonna open up to this community. We can't wait to see uh, who we might meet and who might join that group this year. That's all for now, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to episode 154 of Achieve Your Goals, the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I'm still learning how to say all that, so forgive me, Hal, buddy. You've been doing this for almost three years. The three-year anniversary of this podcast comes up in a couple weeks here. And For those of you that are not aware, if you're just joining this episode at random, go back and listen to episode 152 to get the full story of who John Berghoff, me, who I am, why I'm here, and I'll give you the short answer right now, is our dear friend Hal Elrod is in recovery mode. He's healing right now and he's winning a battle that he's fighting against cancer. He was diagnosed several months ago and those of you that are familiar, appreciate all your thoughts and prayers. Hal has made such a huge impact on this community, on the world, on so many of us and myself personally for sure. And I've been a friend of his for 18 years now and business partner. And Hal, we're wishing you the best, buddy. Thanks for everything that you continue to do to make a difference even as you're battling what you're battling. So we're going to rock this out today. And today's episode is all about expanding our personal potential. And I'll give you the backstory and how did I decide what to talk about today. It was really simple. I was sitting at a coffee shop a few hours ago and I was thinking about how. And I was thinking about going back in my life to times where I got to learn from how and I got to be with how. And I thought, okay, so what are some of the principles that are really teachable? and duplicatable. And one of the first things I thought about was the environment that I learned to create when Hal and I lived together. It was something that I learned from him. And so environment is one of about four or five factors that I'm going to talk about today that over the years, I've been inspired to discover and explore as ways of expanding our personal potential. So before I get into these five factors, one of my commitments was to tell as many enjoyable stories of my life experiences with Hal. So I am going to go all the way back to the fall of 2000. And it's funny because as I reflect on these stories, I think to myself, well, that's hilarious. And then I think, I don't know if these are really funny to other people or just to Hal and I, but I'm just going to tell you these stories anyways. And I'll bring you back to the fall of 2000 when Hal and I first lived together. If you listen to our last episode, 153, you heard me share the story about how Hal chose to move in not knowing that I lived in a single room, a studio with one bed. So that's the epilogue to the story. And the first chapter, I guess, is when after Hal moved in, it was really interesting because when you go from not living with anybody to living with somebody, your environment immediately transforms in the most dramatic way. And that's actually the first of the five factors that I want to talk about today. When I scribbled a list a few hours ago and said, what are the things that I've seen that I've learned from Hal and others and through my own experience about really being able to reinvent and rewire our own inner personal potential? And environment's a big one. And I think about when I first lived with Hal, there were so many things that just because he lived with me, it changed how I behaved. And I think for the most part, they were positive behaviors, especially he brought, I think it was a PlayStation or they may not have had PlayStation back then, but there was this video game, Jet Moto. 
And we never had a lot of time to play video games, but whenever we had three minutes, we would play one round of Jet Moto. It's a jet skiing video game. It was the only game I remember playing within like a 10-year period of my life. And Hal brought that into my life. So buddy, thanks for bringing Jet Moto into my life. But there were other things that I learned from Hal that were really powerful. I'll give you an example. And I made a joke earlier on the live stream that I'll probably leave out of the actual podcast episode. But he taught me a lot about nutrition. He also taught me a lot about fashion. Now, if you're watching the live stream as I'm recording this, you're thinking I didn't learn much from him. But Hal always had a certain sense. Like he understood what was cool to wear. And I did not. And I still do not. But when I lived with him, what was interesting, and even though this is a comical example of environment, I would challenge all of us to question how often do our behaviors change either consciously or unconsciously because of who we're around? And is that good or bad, right? And when he moved in, it was funny because you know he had like this certain sense of fashion. He had all of his shoes lined up and his pants and his shirts. And I knew I didn't know anything about this stuff. So I thought, well, I'm just gonna wear the same thing Hal does. So this is kind of a funny part of our story is that for a window of time in our lives, Hal and I wore the same thing every day because I was just mirroring what he wore. The interesting thing is how many things we mirrored in our lives together. So not only were we eating all the same food because we were living in the same studio together, we were wearing the same clothing. We actually took the same classes at the same college and we were selling knives in the same neighborhoods to some of the neighbors of each other, which is kind of crazy. But I share that as just a fun reminder for me of how much fun it was living with Hal back in the fall of 2000. And I will share with you, we had a lot of fun playing pranks on each other. One of the pranks that we would play, I say we, it was really me, is you know in sales, in the job that we had, the name of the game was making a lot of phone calls. And this was back when, I don't even think we had cell phones. We had cordless phones though. We had the first cordless telephones. And I would take the cordless phone and before I left our studio, I would hide it somewhere in the room because I would drive to the office to make phone calls. And I knew that Hal was going to make calls in the room. And I can't tell you how many times I would hide it and then later find out that, you know, it took him forever to find it. Or he'd have to push that button that pages the phone. But we used to play a lot of fun games like that to playfully challenge each other's ability to succeed in spite of each other. There are other crazy things that we did in that studio that uh, I'm going to save for future episodes and some that will never be shared. Uh, We had a great time, though. And I learned a lot about environment, especially when I reflect on some of the positive things I learned from living with Hal a long time ago. And I'll tell you one of them on a really serious note. For those of you that are entrepreneurs, one of the things, it actually doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur. One of the things that I learned from Hal just by watching him is that, and if you're a fan of Chet Holmes, who wrote The uh, Ultimate Selling Machine, I think that was the name of his book. One of the things that Chet teaches is that people who are really masters at anything in his arena is sales, that one of the things that they discover in life is that you don't necessarily need to figure out how to do a thousand things really well. You really have to figure out how to do a handful, three, four, five things, thousands of times really well. And I got to witness firsthand how he truly turned making phone calls into a game. He truly got committed to the process without getting overly attached to the outcomes. And that's just another small example where when you see somebody who's able to remove the emotion from the challenges of accomplishing a goal, it's one of the fastest ways to be able to embody that is when you see that it's possible. So that was a big thing I learned from Hal. And that fall, I do think it's worth noting, not just to brag here, but to impress upon all of us 
that I don't think it's a coincidence that he and I lived together. And out of thousands of sales reps, he and I were number one and two in the whole company living in the same room, sleeping in the same bed. Which by the way, I just realized every time I say sleeping in the same bed, if you're jumping into these episodes and you're missing like the earlier story, you're thinking all sorts of fascinating things. And I don't really mind. You got to go back to episode 152 to fully understand that. So I told you I was going to share with you today five factors to rewiring your personal potential. And the first one, and the rest I'm going to go through very quickly here. So be ready for that. But the first one I'd want to take some time, share a few fun stories about living with YoPal is your environment. And if you're watching this as I'm doing this on the live stream while I also record the podcast episode, I showed some of you earlier my office here that I work in and everything is by design. Everything has symbolism. Everything has depth of meaning. Everything is by design in our physical environment. So I would challenge all of you before I move on to the next idea to ask yourselves to question your physical environment and ask yourself, is there anything about your physical environment that might be energetically slowing you down, that might be causing you to get distracted or to lose focus? I'll give you an example. One of the things I learned a long time ago from a coach of mine, and her coaching came from a spiritual background, yet all of her focus was on clutter. And this has actually reemerged recently as a trending topic, the importance of understanding the spiritual energy that actually comes from clutter. I'm not going to get into a whole teaching on that because I don't think I'm qualified to teach it, but I will tell you one of the things that I think about all the time in my physical space is what I'm looking at is there a certain simplicity and minimalism to it. It's the same reason why you've probably heard it taught that you might not want to have a bunch of books stacked on your nightstand next to your bed because all the information in the words or the thoughts of what's in those books interacting with our minds is actually not helpful to going to sleep. And that's just one idea, but there's probably a thousand things that we could all learn about the power of our physical environment. There's a reason in our home, we don't have any televisions, not just in our bedroom, but in any of our bedrooms, because that's just a small example of wanting to control our environment and wanting to stop ourselves from getting tempted by what we could set up in our environment. So think about your physical environment. What does that mean to you? How could you make subtle adjustments that might help you in your world? And that's the first factor I wanted to talk to you about today that has to do with rewiring your personal potential because whether it's the people around you or the space around you or the things that you look at, that you see, there's so much power to that. I mean, I have to just comment on this. As I'm saying this, I'm not only looking at all of this artwork in my office that has deep personal meaning, but there's a bonsai tree right behind my computer. So when I glance away, I'm looking at a tree that's been alive for nine years. And here, if you're watching the live stream, I'll turn the computer. There's the bonsai tree on that table right there. And when I look at that tree, I know just enough about bonsai trees and the deep, rich tradition behind that tree that it actually has a deep effect on me just being in the presence of it. So environment is factor number one today for rewiring your personal potential. Think about what we just talked about. The second factor for rewiring your personal potential is your physical well-being, your physical well-being. And I see that Nicole Keating, who has her own podcast, The Art of Epic Wellness, but you got to go check out. Nicole is an amazing human being, one of our Quantum Leap Mastermind members. This is something that she teaches in a very holistic way. And I want to invite all of you to think about your physical well-being and think about a few things here, right? And I'm giving a simplified explanation of what does it mean to really lift up your physical well-being. These are topics that deserve multiple episodes or an entire podcast like Nicole, what she does. 
But there's two things that I've learned personally that if I had to really simplify everything, for me, it comes down to two things, my physical well-being. Number one is movement, movement. And the reason I use the word movement and not exercise or weightlifting or yoga is because I think we have to start with the most fundamental understanding of physical energy. And this is not based on some deep scientific understanding that I have, although I'm pretty sure there's some science that backs this up. You may have seen articles that say sitting is the new smoking, right? Or you've noticed that today everybody's measuring movement with technology. Well, there's depth behind that. There's value to that. And my personal experience has taught me, and I'm an amateur endurance athlete. I've run 100-mile ultramarathons. I've run 300-plus-mile ultramarathons. I know that sounds crazy right there, and that might deserve some explanation. But I will tell you from my journey as an endurance athlete, and also just as a dad and an entrepreneur who's always trying to find the edge with my physical and mental capacity, that movement alone is so fundamental, right? And so, yeah, I go trail running, I practice yoga, I swim, I do a minimalist amount of weightlifting. Now, if you're watching the live stream, you probably can't believe that. You think I do a lot of weightlifting. No, you could probably tell. This body right here, water aerobics, folks. But I'm joking about this because I'm not sitting here saying yoga is the answer. Bench pressing is the answer. Running is the answer. What I find is that the healthiest people that I've met, they have some configuration where their movement is not one prescribed thing that happens at 7 a.m. every day. There might be something they do at 7 a.m., but I have found that the healthiest people I know, physically, mentally, spiritually, in every possible way, there's movement that happens more often in their lives. It's part of why I'm doing this episode standing, and that's not a facade. I stand pretty much all day long. I might sit down for about an hour out of an eight-hour workday, but I stand because ever since I started standing, I noticed that I don't get tightness in my hamstrings or my hips the way I used to. I noticed that my shoulders don't get tight. Just little things like that happen. So movement is super, super important for your physical well-being. My challenge, my invitation to all of you is what small steps can you take? It's not about whether or not you sign up for and run a marathon. It's about small steps that you could take today. Can you get up and just stretch? And then could you do that again? And then could it turn into a habit, right? And add variety into how you move as well. Because if your movement is always one way, there's a really good chance that there might be some sort of imbalance that eventually gets created. If we really want to have total whole well-being, there has to be a harmony with all the ways that you move. And Nicole Keating just posted, have a daily dance party. There you go. Oh, and those of you that are wondering about this whole standing desk thing, so I've got a buddy, he's an app developer, and he's got an office in the building right next to me here. And I, he showed me the other day, and it'll be funny if he sees or hears this, because he'll know I'm joking about his situation. And he's done well enough for himself that he can afford all sorts of fancy technology things. And he was showing me about this desk that he bought where you can push a button and it raises it up or lowers it down. And I laugh at that because I have found a way to have a standing desk. And I'll show you if you're watching on the live stream. Although if you're listening to the podcast, and you're like, what does he mean by live stream? I've started streaming these as I'm recording them into the Miracle Morning community. So you can catch us in the future. But here's my setup. So we have these tables here that are, I don't even know if they're actually a normal standing height table, but look what I did. I put bed risers underneath the table so that the table is the right height. 
And then on top of that, I stack my laptop on top of this file folder thing and on top of this box of LSTN headphones. And so instead of buying a $2,000 robotic, electronically adjustable standing desk, I've got a pretty cheap version here. And here's the kicker. You're going to love this bonus tip for those of you that are all about this. I want you to see the chairs that we have in our office. What we use for chairs are director's chairs. And those director's chairs are the perfect height so that if I want to sit, I can just slide right back into the director's chair. The other thing is the director's chair ergonomically allows you to really easily sit and keep a really healthy posture. So a couple bonuses there on, we're going back to environment, but your physical well-being. I want to say something else about your physical well-being. It's not just about movement, but it's also about what you put into your body. And this is something that I have found over the years, the more I've become self-aware of what I put into my body, I can tell you that I've gotten to a place where I can notice really microscopic changes, the smallest changes when I eat one thing versus something else. And sometimes it's really noticeable. Sometimes it's subtle, but it's often those subtle changes that I'm able to sense. I go, wow, I'm actually a lot smarter right now. I actually notice that when I change my diet, my speech actually speeds up a little bit because my ability to wire between my head and my mouth actually speeds up just when I'm changing my diet. And when I say changing my diet, I've got a pretty good diet, but I have found that when you eat really well, you'll actually notice even more of those microscopic changes. I think that if we put trash into our bodies, processed foods, anything that doesn't come out of the earth, right? That you know, you might notice the changes, I don't know, but I could tell you that when you're in a really good place, you notice the difference. And for me, that's inspiring to want to keep elevating what I'm putting into my body. So I'll go on one little rant about what we put into our bodies. And let me first start by saying I'm not 100% on anything. But I do believe that whenever we do something artificially to help ourselves, so any kind of drug, let's talk about caffeine for a minute. And I'm the first one to tell you I consume caffeine. I'm currently off of caffeine. I've been off of it for 20 minutes. That's a joke, right? I quit smoking two hours ago. That doesn't count. No, but I actually stopped consuming caffeine a handful of days ago, not because I think there's some moral ethical problem with caffeine or because I think I can't consume it in moderation and be okay, but because I was reminded as I noticed myself unconsciously wanting to up my quantity to go beyond the one latte that I was getting, I realized that's a trigger. That's my body telling me that it has stopped learning how to naturally create energy because I've been continually artificially creating energy. Look, this is basic supply and demand. This is really simple stuff. I just think about this in the most logical sense. Every time we artificially give our bodies an ability, our body is going to slow down its natural ability to create whatever we're artificially giving to it. So I find that when I come off of caffeine, there's usually a couple days where there's some negative reactions, but then by about the third day or fourth day, I actually have more energy, it's more sustainable, more consistent, and I'm mentally a lot sharper. So today, now I'm drinking, uh, this is homemade bone broth. I've been drinking bone broth every day for quite a while. It has a lot of nutritional benefits, go check it out. All right, and bone broth is like the remarketed word for chicken stock, I think. I don't really know, but we actually buy bones and my wife makes bone broth and then I drink it, it tastes amazing and it's apparently really, really healthy. So I say we're gonna talk about five factors today to rewiring your personal potential. We talked about your physical environment or your external environment. We talked about your physical well-being. 
And the two things that I wanted to emphasize was movement, move around, find ways to move more often, stand up, stretch, create some variety, and also nutrition. Be really thoughtful about what goes into your body. Even if the smallest thing that you do is just drink more water, it's amazing the difference you'll notice in energy just by upping the amount of water that you might drink every day. All right, the next factor I wanna talk about here to rewiring your personal potential is what I would call perspective. Perspective. Now, perspective, we could go a lot of directions with this, but I actually wanna talk about what I would call a macro-level self-awareness. What do I mean by macro-level self-awareness? Well, a good way of explaining this is through a concept called the hero's journey. Now, if you're not familiar with the hero's journey, I encourage anyone who's interested in this podcast to go explore what is the hero's journey. I'm gonna make sure that there's one video, there's a lot of videos about it. There's one short, like three or four minute video that summarizes it really well. I'll make sure we put that in the show notes. Also, if you wanna spend a little bit more time learning about the hero's journey, go check out Finding Joe, a documentary filmed by our good friend, Pat Solomon, who's one of our guest mentors in our Quantum Leap Mastermind Coaching Program. But the hero's journey in a nutshell, let me give you my definitely butchered version of the hero's journey. The hero's journey is a concept, you could call it a philosophy, it's an understanding that was introduced to the world by a philosopher by the name of Joseph Campbell a number of decades ago. And Joseph Campbell, his background was in theology and mythology. And one of the things that Joseph Campbell discovered is that when he looked across religions and across cultures and across time and across mythology, he noticed that all of these stories, now here's what's crazy about the hero's journey, is if you actually go look at the plot line for many, many of the films that you and I watch, the Hollywood blockbusters and the most viral independent films, many of them actually follow this journey called the hero's journey. And what Joseph Campbell discovered and then really brought to the world is this discovery that even though there's all these different explanations for life, whether it's through a religion, a myth, or any other explanation of how things work, why they work, or what's happening. What Joseph Campbell uncovered is that across all of these understandings, there's actually a unifying, connected story that all of them are passing through. And again, if you go research this on your own, you'll notice that the hero's journey, and I'll give you the essence of the hero's journey right now, and what does this have to do with your personal potential? What it has to do with it is I have found that when we're able to develop a distant perspective, an unattached, detached perspective on where we are in our lives, it helps us to understand that we're at a certain stage, which might be just enough of an understanding to give us the hope, the faith, the confidence, or in some cases, the wisdom to know what to do next, because as Jim Rohn teaches in The Seasons of Life, which was the first personal development book I ever read. Someone handed me The Seasons of Life back in 1999. And one of the things Jim Rohn taught is that in life, we go through seasons. And what's important is not fighting the season, but understanding the season, right? In the winters of our life, we're dealing with challenges and it's important to go inward and to reflect, right? So that when we get to the next cycle, we're able to take what we learned from that reflection and plant the right seeds so that our next harvest can be fruitful, right? And you could take any of the seasons and extract metaphors. This is a great example where we learn a lot from nature, right? Nature's constantly evolving, transforming, constantly emerging and changing. So are we. 
have any of you ever noticed this? Have any of you ever noticed that certain things in your life happen in cycles? I've actually noticed that I have certain career changes that have always happened like at certain cycles, like one year cycles, I've seen certain things happen. I've seen other things happen in my life in like three or four year cycles. If you study generational cycles, you'll see that across all of the human race, like everything happens in cycles. And there's debating theories as to whether or not that has to be true all the time or whether there is a randomness to it. We're not gonna get into that in this episode. I'm certainly not qualified to have that debate. However, I will say that when I've learned about the hero's journey and when I look at my own life and when I look at all the people we've coached and worked with and learned from, I've seen that there is a universal journey that we're all going on, right? And if you go look at that hero's journey, the framework is quite simple, right? The first part of the hero's journey is when each of us individually feels some sort of calling, there's some sort of voice that's calling us to, as Campbell says, it's calling us to an adventure. And for each of us, that could mean something different. And for some of us, it's an explicit calling, right? Like if you have kids for the first time, you've got a call to adventure that you pretty much can't deny and ignore and it's right in front of you every day. For others of us, it's a voice, it's a whisper that says maybe you should take this path or this pivot or this direction in your business. And one of the things that I've learned is to listen to those callings, not to necessarily follow every single one of them, but to learn to listen. Because as I learn to listen to what is the world telling me, and by the way, just to connect a couple dots, I found that I am more connected to those callings that the world is sending my way when my physical environment and my personal well-being are at optimal places, right? When my physical energy is not where I want it to be, I'm missing signals that a few days later I realize, oh, I see that signal now just because I've actually gotten more rest or taken care of my body. It's interesting how it all works. But the point here I'm talking about is a macro level awareness of your stage in your life. I believe this is a key to rewiring and elevating our personal potential when we understand the stage that we're at. So for many of us, we could be at a stage where we're hearing a calling to do something, right? And then the next stage, and I'm summarizing what are 12 different stages that Joseph Campbell teaches in The Hero's Journey, but the next stage is what Joseph Campbell calls crossing the threshold, crossing the threshold. And crossing the threshold is where what's happened is we've listened to that calling that the world has given us. And that calling, it might not be about a business. It could just be a calling to transform ourselves personally. It could be a calling to make a change in our lives. But once we've stopped denying that calling and we've chosen to follow it, we call that crossing the threshold, which is really when we've finally made a commitment, not just interested, but committed in pursuing that call to adventure, whatever that call to adventure is, personally or professionally. And what happens is once we commit, as Joseph Campbell points out, but looking across stories, across all different types of stories, is that there's a commonality, that once you accept that calling, the world is now gonna throw some big boulders, some big obstacles in your way. The world's gonna put, quote unquote, enemies in your way, whether that's people or you know personal addictions or personal crutches, it's gonna put certain obstacles in your way as soon as you commit to that calling. And so as Joseph Campbell teaches it, what happens is as we're dealing with those obstacles, we're also meeting not only enemies, but allies. And it's important to realize in our lives, at whatever stage we're at, it's important to be aware that anybody that we meet could be an ally. Now, not all allies are created equal, but as we meet people and we become open to, well, what is the journey that I'm on? What is the difference I'm trying to make for myself or for others? That helps us to be more aware of, well, who are the types of people 
that I want to invite in or attract to become allies on my mission? Or who can I become an ally of? Because maybe I meet someone who's on a similar journey and by partnering together, we can both help each other, right? But once we cross that threshold, we might meet enemies, we might meet allies, but then ultimately there's a moment of transformation where we all go through an ordeal. And you might be listening, watching this right now, and you could have personal ordeals in your life, which is just another word for challenge, obstacle. And in the hero's journey, the way they introduce it and talk about it is that as you go through that ordeal, we all have certain transformations that happen. Now, just because we face an ordeal doesn't mean we have a transformation because sometimes we might choose to hide or run from actually facing that ordeal, which might only prolong the challenges. It might stop us from ever experiencing whatever's on the other side of that. But in the hero's journey, when we get through that ordeal, we often are given a gift and that gift is a lesson. And so think about any ordeals you've been through and maybe you've been through your own ordeals or you're facing them right now. And I have found personally that it's the moment that I'm actually able to ask the question and then answer it. That's often the moment where the gift shows up, where I just stop and say, what is the gift in this? What is the lesson? What is the wisdom? What is the power that this now gives me? Because by asking that, I'm more likely to find the answers, create the answers. And then the final stage of the hero's journey is once you've gone through this journey, now you have this new wisdom, this new learning, this new enlightenment or insight, and you can now bring that back to your world, returning to the community, as they call it, whatever that means. And so you might be on one of many journeys at the same time. But the lesson I wanted to share right now is that when you become aware that life operates in stages and that there's no such thing as a good stage or a bad stage. Sure, on the surface, it could look and feel that way, but you realize that everything has a reason or a season and that there's a harmony to how it all connects together. I found that that gives me faith and hope in the most challenging times, which for me, just as another human being, I pretty much need that to help me every single day because within the big story, we have micro moments when we need to stop and recognize this is a phase or a stage, let me just embrace the beauty in this moment or that I can get from this or give to it. And that can really help us out, I think, in transforming our potential to achieve anything. Nicole Keating actually just posted the word trust. And I'm glad that she did because I think that when we're able to understand that there is this journey that we're on, it does allow us to have more trust in the journey, which is awesome. All right, the next, and I think I've only got one idea after this, and I'm coming up on my 30 minutes, Mike, Miriam, or if I just lost that bet, just let me know. The fourth idea I want to share with you today, the fourth factor for rewiring your personal potential. We've talked about having a macro level awareness of the journey that we're on in life. And now I want to talk about having a micro level awareness of what's going on inside of ourselves. And the simplest word I could come up with for this is the word mindfulness. Now, I have a coach and a mentor, Juliana Ray, Unified Mindfulness. If you go check out her website, she's got all sorts of great free videos and resources. She's one of our mentors for our Quantum Leap Mastermind members. And Juliana has taught me a lot over the last three or four years about mindfulness. I was introduced to meditation 16 years ago. I think my first introduction, it was actually an audio program by Deepak Chopra, and it was called The Power of Synchro Destiny, I think, something like that. And in this audio program, he teaches these seven different like native mantras that you repeat them. And I'll never forget, I listened to his audio program. I actually wrote out his mantras word for word. This was like three CDs. I wrote it out word for word and I repeated them to myself 
every day for several months. And that was a transformative moment in my life because by repeating those mantras, it brought to me an awareness of what was going on around me at a level that I had never had. And it led to some real major positive outcomes professionally and personally. That was my introduction to meditation. But then when I met Juliana Ray, I got really excited because she taught me something that I'll share today. And what she taught me is the power of having a formal meditation practice. And the reason why I say it that way is because I've always thought to myself, well, I do yoga, I go trail running out in nature. You know, doesn't that count as meditation? And what I've come to learn is that it's not a given, that it can, depending on how I approach it, especially if I have the training and the tools to turn any moment into a meditation. But I've also learned that depending on how I approach that activity, I might get none of the benefits of having a formal mindfulness practice. So what I've learned from Juliana is that when you have a formal practice, there's three specific skills that you develop. And I'll share these with you really quickly here. And then on future episodes, we'll dive deeply into these. But one of the things I've learned is the more you're aware of these skills, the more you actually appreciate the importance of bringing a formal mindfulness practice into your life. And so that's what I'm hoping this might inspire some of you to develop here. So here's the three skills. And these are what Juliana taught me is the three attention skills. Because really a quality mindfulness or meditation formal practice should be developing all three of these skills. What I love about unified mindfulness is it develops these three skills much more explicitly than any other practice that I've come across. But the three skills, here's what they are. Number one is what we call concentration power. Wouldn't we all love more concentration power? Concentration power, I'm gonna give it a definition. It's the ability to focus on whatever we deem to be most important at any given moment in time, right? It's the ability to stay focused on whatever we believe or think is the most important thing to stay focused on. I don't know about all of you, but I have times all the time where I tell myself I need to focus on this and then I lose focus, right? So I experience all the time what it means to lose concentration or not exercise concentration power. So I don't think I need to say anything to convince any of us that concentration power is something that we wanna develop. What I would encourage you to think about is do you have a formal mindfulness or meditation practice? And if you don't, think about developing it really quickly because it might be the fastest way to strengthen your concentration power. The second of these three attention skills is what we would call sensory clarity, sensory clarity. Now, let me give you an analogy to understand sensory clarity. And this is gonna date myself here, but can you go back to a time before we had high-definition television or before we had satellite radio? Do any of you remember when you had to actually like tune things and adjust your radio or your television so that you could get clear reception? There's like half of you that have no idea what I'm talking about right now. So let me describe this. The television used to have these like antennas that literally stuck right out of the back of your TV. And sometimes you'd have to actually manually adjust the antenna to be able to see what you're watching. Yes, that existed, folks. Google it. Well, here's the deal. When you adjust the clarity, so you all get this example, right? As new technology comes out, like on an iPhone or a television, right? The quality of the picture gets sharper and sharper and sharper, right? Well, sensory clarity in our mind is the ability to have a sharper and sharper and sharper awareness of what's going on inside of ourselves. So let me give you an example. 
if any of you have ever had this happen where you get distracted or you get emotionally thrown off by something. And by the time you actually get to a place where you're like, I'm really distracted or that emotion has been running me for a while, right? If you get what I mean by that. How many of you have had this happen? By the time you realize what's going on, so much time has passed by that that distraction, loss of focus, or allowing that emotion to grip you has caused some sort of unproductive outcome in your life. We can all relate to that. Well, the idea of sensory clarity is that the sooner we can detect, the sooner we can detect, imagine any distraction or a negative emotion like a wave that comes and goes. So instead of waiting until the wave is so big that it crashes down and crushes us, can you detect it when it's smaller? One of the things that I've learned is that when we detect it when it's smaller, just detecting it by itself will cause it to sometimes level out and then eventually go away. What we're not talking about here is being in denial or denying these things. We're not talking about avoiding them. We're just talking about learning how to work with the things that go on inside of ourselves that don't always help us. And I have learned that when you have a formal meditation practice, you not only build concentration power, the ability to focus on whatever was important, but you also have the ability to detect, to distinguish, and to discriminate what's going on inside of me. I can feel there's an emotion coming up, right? And I'm using my hand right here because that's what emotions, the first place I'm going to notice it is in my body, not my mind. By the time I'm able to actually label it, it might be too late. And when I do feel it, that is the next thing I'm going to do is see if I can label it and actually describe it. Because once I learn how to label it and describe it, right now it starts to diffuse its control over me because I'm at least working with it, right? Same thing with just distraction. And it might not always be emotion in my body. For me personally, it's often voices in my head. Do any of you talk to yourselves a lot, right? If you Google that, you know, there's a lot of people that'll make you feel good about yourselves because it means you're a genius, right? It also means you're psychotic. So you pick the definition that you want, but here's the deal. Some of us, more than others, have a lot of voices in our head, especially those of you that are musically inclined. You're auditory people. Like if you're always tapping your foot or humming, you probably, most likely, more of your distractions are coming from voices in your head than the physical body first or than visions in your head. You follow that right there? So for me, I often find that as soon as I get anxious, overwhelmed, stressed, or I'm losing focus or any of these disempowering tensions, the first place where I'm able to start to diffuse it is by going into listening to hearing what's going on in my head. Instead of saying, well, I feel like crap, but I can't quite figure it out. Or, you know, I know I'm seeing things in the future that I don't want to have happen. But no, for me, a lot of times it's actually what I'm saying to myself. So as soon as I can just connect to that, those voices can start to diminish, right? So mindfulness develops these three skills, concentration power, sensory clarity. And then the third and final one is what we would call equanimity, E-Q-U-I-N-I-M-I-T-Y. Don't worry about remembering that word. Equanimity is the ability to avoid the push or the pull, the tug that our inner experience has, right? So let's just talk about emotions. It's the ability to experience certain emotions, but not let that to grip us and to take control over us. And all I'm going to say is, look, you develop a formal mindfulness practice and you will be able to develop these three skills and it can be absolutely life-changing. All right. I had one more final idea today and I think I'm going to reserve it for a future episode. I'll tell you what the idea was. I started this episode by saying there's five factors. And by the way, there's not five. That just happens to be how many things I scribbled down before I ran out of time and said I should record an episode. But these were some of the first five that came up for me that I thought would be fun to share with you today. I hope you're enjoying this. I started by saying there's going to be five factors for rewiring your personal potential. 
and I've shared with you today, your physical environment, your physical well-being, mindfulness, understanding on a macro, larger level, what journey you're on in life. And then the fifth and final one I was going to share is understanding what is motivating you. Understanding what is motivating you. Understanding your motivations, your reason, your purpose that you might be prescribing to why you're doing what you're doing. I'm going to save that topic for a future episode because it deserves a lot of attention and energy because it's a big one. All right, before I sign out, a couple of reminders. So we've got coming up Miracle Morning for Couples book. Stacy Martino is launching in about a week. I think it launches maybe Valentine's Day or the day after. So those of you that are interested, which is many of you in this community, keep an eye out for the Miracle Morning for Couples. And any other announcements or reminders? I had a whole list earlier and then I forgot what they all were. But hey, as always, thank you for being here. Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners. Does Hal have a name for you? Is it Goal Achievers? I bet that's what it is. That's my guess. And speaking of Hal, I want to close out by asking all of you just to send some positive energy and love Hal's way. Send it to his family too. They need it as much as he does. And while you're doing that, don't stop with Hal. Hal, for many of us, is just a symbol and a reminder of anybody that would benefit from our love, attention, and energy. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 